From relationships, issues dealing with race, gender, and sexual temptations to controversial trending topics, they answer the real-life questions you want to know. It's R.C. and Samuel, the Blakes Brothers. Well, hello and welcome to the Blakes Brothers show. I am R.C. Blakes, and what's your name? I am Samuel Blakes. You sure about that? I'm positive. Okay, all right. Well, it's good to be back again. It's good to be able to share with the people. And uh, as always, we like to discuss things that um, need to be discussed and answer questions for, you know, real-life questions for people as men and as pastors, but from a practical as well as a biblical perspective. And let's jump right in. Uh, Here's the question. Uh, She says, my husband and I are in our early 70s, and I can finally admit that we're old. (laughs) We have four great children and a lot of grandkids. We've always taken care of our kids and have always been there when they've needed us. But now that we're old and we need them, we're seeing that it's like pulling teeth to get them to help us with simple tasks, like driving us to the doctor's office or taking us to the store to get our medication. It hurts me to my core that they're being so selfish, especially especially because we didn't try to raise them that way. Did we do something wrong in the way we raised them? Uh, A heartbroken mother. What are your thoughts? Uh, Initially, my my initial thought is um, probably you've raised your children in a manner that uh, causes them to be selfish and not yeah. selfless. Yeah. Um, oftentimes I think when kids are raised without a sense of responsibility and they are raised without um, understanding uh, that they have to make investments into the lives of other people and even into their own lives, I think it comes back to bite you. You know, I, what I've discovered being now the, the, the father of four adult kids, what I've discovered is that a lot of what we call um, great parenting or doing, you know, doing, doing our best to raise our kids is really what degenerates them as adults. Right. Um, because, you know, in our minds, you know, it's like give my child everything I can give him or her whatever they want give it to them that's great parenting when it's really not right you know and I have to admit that to some degree I've done that kind of parenting uh, because I'm I'm the father of three girls so I love my three girls and I have one son my only son right so I've spoiled my kids to a certain extent but it wasn't the way you and I were raised right you and I were raised with a father who gave us what we needed but rarely gave us what we wanted. He made us understand that we had to work for what we wanted. And our family became our community. And we, we were raised to understand the necessity of uh, investing in your community, right. investing in one another as brothers, investing in our parents, as well as they invest in us. But most kids today are not raised with that sense of responsibility. And can I add, our father uh, rarely gave us what we wanted and he was able to do so. He was very much so able to do so. But he had made a determination that we were going to be men. One of the things that I think every parent needs to know uh, about your boys particularly is one day your boys are going to be somebody's husband. 
and your daughters are going to be somebody's wife. Yeah. And so when I read this, it breaks my heart because, you know, we have a mother who's uh, in her 70s. Certainly. And uh, we're there for our mother. Right. You know, we, we, we're there at her, at her beckoning call. We bring her to the movies. We bring her to dinner. She can drive herself. She has her own car. We leave our houses to put her garbage we out. We leave our houses to go put her garbage out. We drive her. We pick her up. She can very well drive herself. She's in better health than you and I both put together. Right. But we were raised that way. And so uh, it breaks my heart that she's experiencing this. Um, uh, one of the things I'd like to say is, uh, you know, the Bible talks about uh, children, our children being like arrows in the hands of a marksman. And literally what it's saying is uh, whatever direction we aim them in yeah. ultimately is the direction they will go in. And and sometimes I think, um, and this is my personal opinion, children are mothered to death. Yeah. And they've not uh, been given a sense of responsibility and accountability. So in times when they are needed, they won't show up. Yeah. So my heart goes out to her uh, relative to her kids, but at the same time, I think um, encouragement for her yeah. and for her husband is that God is always faithful. Certainly. You know, I was just teaching in, in Bible study last night about uh, Jesus's love school. You know, Jesus taught love school. Right. A lawyer walked up on him and said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus turned around and said that you love the Lord God with all your, all your heart, your, your, your mind, your soul. And the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. There are three levels there. You have to love God first. You have to then love yourself. And then you're equipped to love your neighbor. Certainly. God is our ultimate source. We make our investments in God. You know, and I would say to this mother, your investment is in God. Every relationship that is developed outside of God, love for God and love for yourself, yeah. is not an investment. It's really a liability. Right. You know, it's it's subject to uh, it's it's subject to it's subject to withdrawal without ever making deposit. That's the risk right. we take with having love affairs, with getting married, with having children. None of it is certain that these people are going to love us back the same. Sometimes this is true even of your own kids. But ultimately, your heart has to turn back to God because God is the only constant. He is the source, and he is the only constant. And so pray for your kids, but understand that God is your source. So we're going to take a break, and we'll come back, and uh, we'll, we'll deal with this some more. Yeah. You're listening to a BAM Network original, The Blakes Brothers. If you have questions for The Blakes Brothers, email them to theblakesbrothers at gmail.com. Well, welcome back to The Blakes Brothers Show. I'm R.C. Blakes, and I'm sitting here with my brother Samuel Blakes, and we've been discussing a question that has been submitted to us from a lady that's in her 70s. Right. She and her husband have kids who are adult kids. They have a lot of grandchildren but they feel uncared for as it pertains to their kids and apparently their grandkids as well. Certainly. And so we've been just kind of discussing what could be some of the root problems to what makes a child, an adult child, uh, negligent of an, an aging parent. But what do we say to this mother whose heart is clearly broken? My, my, my advice starts with the spiritual, and that is 
you have to really turn your heart back to God, who's always been your source for 70 plus years. Right. And who will continue to be your source. And that all of the relationships we develop, we make investments in them, but it's not always certain that those investments are going to be returned. So what would you say to her to encourage her at this point? Uh, one of the things I, w- I would say is not to beat yourself up uh, because of the mm. impediments of your child. I mean, at a certain point, you, you've done all you can do. And uh, it is then incumbent upon that child to take what you have done and, you know, be fruitful and, and multiply, so to speak. Yeah. Um, second thing I would, I would, second admonishment I would give to all parents is simply this. Uh, we know that we love our children, but sometimes we have to define how to love them that will, uh, in ways that will help them in the future. Yeah. Love, is, love is not always just giving. Sometimes love uh, is withholding. Is withholding and putting requirements. Yeah. Developing character. Certainly. Uh, you said something uh, earlier as we were discussing this, you know, the, the possibility of discussing this question, and that is sometimes you can do everything right and you just have an ingrate. That's exactly you know, right. The, the, the child's character is just flawed for no known reason ultimately you have to and i think this is good advice for parents as well as children as well as any individual ultimately you have to learn to depend on god and yourself yeah i mean uh, how many times in particularly in what we do as pastors how many times have we sat with mothers and parents who have done it all right and the child still went wrong. Still went wrong. That's that's no reflection on uh, the the parental guidance that the child was given. It's 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 just something that was innately in that particular child. Absolutely. So don't blame yourself uh, for you know impediments within your children. Exactly. Also, I would say more than likely, uh, usually in families, uh, there's 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 usually a. a, a consistent and common culture to sweep things under the rug right you know what i mean and we don't usually like to discuss difficult issues within the constructs of our families because you're my brother i have to live with you that's my mother i have to live with you it's my wife my children we have to be in the same space you can choose your friends but you don't choose your family so sometimes we have the, the issues we really need to be discussing hidden within our hearts and we'll send an email to somebody that we really don't know or right. does not know us at least. Yeah. Re, you know, regarding an issue that we probably should have talked to our kids about. It's highly possible that this mother has never talked to her children about how she really feels for fear of them exiting her life. I would say that you have to purge your heart. And you so, have to you at this point you have to speak what's on your heart. And everybody involved needs to know how you feel about it. Well, the bottom line is you never cure what you do not confront. Yeah. Um, issues that do not go addressed. That's right. Will go yeah. unchanged. Absolutely. And so I would say, you know, for her own emotional health, at least articulate what you're feeling in a way that is palatable, as, you know, as best it can be, but in a way that gets the point over to your children. We'll come back after the break. You're listening to a BAM Network original, The Blakes Brothers. 
If you have questions for the Blakes Brothers, email them to theblakesbrothers at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Blakes Brothers Show. I am Samuel Blakes, and this is my brother, R.C. Blakes. And uh, we've been talking, man, about some stuff today. We just got through talking about a heartbroken mother. Uh, now we're going to go to our beautiful correspondent, Casey Ferran. Casey, what you got? Hey, I'm Casey Ferran, your Blakes Brothers correspondent here in New Orleans with Teddy G. What's your question for the Blakes Brothers? Whoa, this is me, Teddy G, sticking to the G code, and my question is this. I've dated black women all my life, and I recently started dating a white lady. She's very nice. However, she says that she wants me to be her Black Panther. I'm slightly offended, but, you know, how should I take this? Teddy G, Teddy G. Teddy G, Teddy G. Um... <laughs> What are your thoughts about that? I mean, you know. Well, initially, I'm kind. I, I'm kind of. It is comical. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of taken taken back by it because you know there are a lot of different shades of panther. Yeah. The black panther. Yeah. She yeah. wanted him to be the black, be her black panther, and of course, you know this. I think the the driver, the emotional driver of this question, the unspoken. Well, it's not even unspoken. It's the racial component. You know. Yeah. Because he said, um, I have a, a white girlfriend, or however he worded it, you know what I right. mean? Would it have been as offensive if it were a black girl that was, was asking him to be uh, her Black Panther? Right. Black girl, In black, my mind, certainly not. Certainly not. So, you know, my, I guess my question is, um, in his relationship with this girl, does he see race first? You know, why, why are you offended if you're having... Clearly, it sounds like you're having a a, a sexual relationship. Yeah, it, it sounds like you're having that. It, so if it, you're that intimate with her, or at least, or at least the desire, or the desire, yeah, for you a know, sexual relationship. Um, why is the why is the why why isn't she free enough to be able to say what she desires to say to you? And at the same time, I get it. You know, I yeah. think it speaks to how far we have to go in terms of uh, uh, racial. Um, sophistication for lack of another term you know yeah. just really understanding humanity over race but then it makes you ask the question you know what are her fantasies certainly yeah well that, i mean that's that's initially where my mind goes yeah uh, what's what's the motive behind yeah you know articulating Black that yeah um i think that when you come to a place of not seeing color you won't yeah speak color most people are not there Right, black or white, most people are not there, and and um, you you learn it when you start dealing with issues like this, you know, inter interracial relationships. At, at what point do you become my girlfriend, not my white girlfriend? Yeah, exactly. At what point do you become my panther? Absolutely, and not my black panther. Not my black panther, you know. <laughs> so it, I think it, I think the I think I think psychologists could have a real. Um, you know, fun time picking this apart because there's a lot of psychology in this, clearly. Certainly. That speaks to, to many, many, many different levels of how we view race and what are the drivers behind their connection. Is he attracted to her because she's a white woman? Is she attracted to him because he's a black man? Right. Is the white woman his fantasy? Is the black man her fantasy? Right. Is this all sexual and nothing real? 
Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's 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 a tangled web. It's a tangled web. You know, and there are so many different angles to look at it. That the the biggest problem for me is just, you know, the acknowledgement of white black. Yeah. You know, not not relationship, but relationship with a white woman. Yeah. Not relationship, but relationship with a black man. Uh, if if that is the foundation upon which relationship is built. That's a faulty foundation. Well, you know, and, and again, it, it, it speaks to how uh, immature yeah. society is um, when it comes down to relationships and how we, we definitely build relationships based on, st- on sand. The Bible gives this parable of one that builds on sand, one that builds on a rock. This relationship sounds like it's clearly built on sand. It's built on stuff that's not going to last. Well, a, a healthy relationship is built on content and character. Uh, unhealthy relationships are often built on color. Yeah, color, and, lust, and, fantasy, you know, lust and superficial stuff. Superficial stuff. And he views her as his white woman. She views him as her black panther. Right. You know, and so you get what you get. It's it's shallow. Extremely. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a break, and I want you to stay right there. We'll be back to talk a little bit more about this. Okay. You're listening to a BAM Network original, The Blakes Brothers. If you have questions for The Blakes Brothers, email them to theblakesbrothers at gmail.com. Welcome back to The Blakes Brothers Show. I am Samuel Blakes, and this is my brother, R.C. Blakes. Yes. Uh, we've been talking about Teddy G's question concerning uh, his... Caucasian girlfriend wanting him to be her Black Panther. Um, And uh, we've given our thoughts on that, but it leads to an even broader discussion about relationships and the foundations of relationships and principles of relationships. Absolutely. You know, Teddy was concerned because this uh, lady spoke her, I guess, truest feelings on whatever level that is. Right. And I think what Teddy G and even the woman needs, they both need instruction in terms of, well, the world needs instruction in terms of how to really do relationships. Most folk have no clue right. how to do relationships. And the the driver, the, the foundation of any strong, healthy, uh, re- intimate relationship is intimacy. And right. I like the way Bishop T.D. Jakes puts it. He says intimacy simply means into me see. Right. So if if I'm not free enough to be able to tell you exactly what's on my heart and if you're not mature enough to be able to hear it, we may not really have a foundation for a relationship at that time. Right. And it may mean that I I may require some more personal growth or you may require some personal growth. But for for him to be somewhat shaken behind uh, this lady asking him to be her Black Panther uh, as a man, yeah. if he had some concerns about her motivation, he should just simply sit down and have that conversation with her. Right. It should not be, you know, something that is festering within him because a woman is trying to speak her heart to you. You should not see the color of the woman first. You should feel the spirit of the woman, know the heart of the woman. And the Bible puts it very plainly for us. It says, dwell with them, According. the wives according to knowledge that knowledge is gained through conversation right 
Uh, Dr. Kervin Smith wrote a book, When Women Speak, Men Should Listen. Yeah. That knowledge of how to dwell with them is gained through conversation. So it's, it's, it's a, a beautiful thing when a woman is free enough to be able to speak her heart and her mind, but she has to be able to speak that heart and that mind to a man that's mature enough to hear it because the foundation of any strong relationship is intimacy. Well, you know, it, it, and, and one of the things that uh, has always alarmed me about many relationships, particularly you know, young relationships in, in this day and time. I, I, doing what I do, I talk to so many young, young ladies, and this is the problem. Uh, oftentimes, they connect with men who want them to have sex, mm. but don't want them to have an opinion. Wow. You know? Wow. And I don't ever believe, I don't believe that it is a healthy... Um, relationship that where a man res- loves your body but doesn't respect your mind. Yeah. It's not uh, the, the the young people term it as a situationship. Right. It's not even a relationship because you know when you start looking at the word relationship ship speaks of a vessel that carries more than one passenger right. going in the same direction or at least to the, well at least in the same direction ultimately to the same destination. It's not a relationship if you don't relate enough to be on the same page going in the same direction. And that only happens where you have what? Mutual respect. Well, it, it is it is it is possible to be in the same place and not be on the same page. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like I know, there's there's so many people who have lived together and been together for 30 years and don't know 30 things about each other because they they cohabitate, but That's they right. don't commune. That's right. They have no fellowship. They have no conversation. And communication is to relationship what all is to a car. Absolutely. It ain't going to run without it. Absolutely. Sooner or later, it's going to break down. Communication, correct. It's like all to to a car. It's like oxygen to a body. Right. Without it, you you know, there is no life. There is no breath where there is no communication. This is how people come to a point in a relationship where they say, I love him or her, but I'm not in love. If you ask them to really explain that, they can't explain it. Right. What they're really saying is that we're no longer on the same frequency and we're not on the same frequency because we're not really communicating. And because we had uh, uh, surface level interest that we built the relationship upon. So it's superficial. Yeah, well, we, we love each other as long as we're lying prostrate. We just can't stand each other standing up. Wow. You know? Wow. Wonderful wow. in the bed, but that that's that's it. And every person listening needs to understand and watching needs to understand that at some point, you know, your your physiology is going to change. Trust me, it does. But you know, and the thing that's going to matter is your psychology. Yeah, you know, I was uh, flying with a couple some years ago, older man and his wife, mm-hmm. both happened to be pilots, and they had been married, I think, for like forty plus years. And I was observing these people sitting up in the cockpit. Yeah. And they were holding hands and laughing. And I said, what, what makes a couple after all of those years have that kind of intimacy where they're still touching, they're still laughing, they're still conversing? Yeah. It, was the, it was the fact that their, their relationship was based on things that were internal and not things external. Intimacy. Intimacy. Into me. Into me. See. See. Teddy needs to... <laughs> <laughs> 
Teddy needs to come to relationship school. That's exactly right. And uh, I mean, it, it's it's a conversation that has to be had uh, because there there's so many people who are connecting and hooking up and falling in love. I don't, I don't even like the term fall because falling is always an accident. Subject to injury at worst death. That's exactly we right. We should walk in love. Consciously. Consciously. And and you should not develop a love relationship based on your based on your uh, sexual drive towards a person. Right. You have to get to know the heart of that individual. Because sometimes lust can camouflage itself as love. It does. It really does. And then it'll make you feel like sensations it'll, and it'll feelings. bring you to the altar. Right. And then three weeks after you leave the altar, you wake up and realize that you don't even like this person. Right, right. Yeah, so so it's a conversation that has to be had, and, and uh, uh, I thank God that he's given us the privilege to be able to have it, man. Right now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be looking at a question that comes from a young man that feels like he's the black sheep in his family. Mm-hmm. We're going to discuss that, and I think it's going to be uh, some deep stuff. We'll be back. You're listening to a BAM Network original, The Blakes Brothers. If you have questions for The Blakes Brothers, email them to theblakesbrothers at gmail.com. Well, welcome back. Welcome back to The Blakes Brothers Show. I'm R.C. Blakes, and of course, this is my brother, Samuel Blakes, and we we were talking about um, uh, Teddy G and his uh, love affair with uh, his white girlfriend who wants him to be her Black Panther, but now we're getting on to something um, a little more serious. I think you have have the question. What is he What is he asking? All right, this question is from Jonathan. He says, "I'm 21 years old. Uh, I've been to jail. I go to church every Sunday. I'm in school getting my degree. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. But it seems like no matter what I do, it's never enough for my parents. They are always nagging at me about." not being good enough. I have two other siblings and my parents don't treat them the same way. I'm the black sheep. It's gotten to the point where I don't want to be around them. Uh, So I stay away and stay to myself. Should I continue to isolate myself from my family? What's your opinion on that? No, he should not. No, he should not. And I think um, he's just 21 years old, which means his, his perspective is uh, limited in terms of skewed. experience. Yeah. It's very much so skewed. And um, 21, I know where I was mentally at 21, trying to prove I'm a man, but I really still had a whole lot of childish ways. Yeah. And I felt like our father was uh, uh, a tyrant, felt like he was extremely difficult. Certainly. And he didn't care, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, that's how I felt. Yeah. But at the same time, he was the patriarch and he, you know, he willed things to be the way he wanted them to be. So I feel where he's coming from. So he has to, first of all, understand that he doesn't have anybody else in life that's going to probably love him as much as his mother does. Yeah. He's, he has to understand that. And love sometimes, I think you said this earlier, is not pacifying. Right. Sometimes love is um, confronting. It's con- confrontational. It's uh, it's difficult. Sometimes it's a, it's abrasive. Yeah. Because the individual sometimes, especially parents, see more for you than you can see for yourself. And I think this 
is the beginnings of what's going on with, with Jonathan at this time. And, and for every, every young person who might find themselves in this position, I think it is extremely necessary that you make sure that you are not misinterpreting tough love for nagging. Perspective. Perspective. You know, perspective. Right. Perspective. Um, I have a different perspective on life now at, at, as a 54-year-old man than I had as a 24-year-old man. Yeah. So the things that our parents um, introduced and pushed that didn't make sense to me then is absolute wisdom now. Well, well, the truth is those things that we interpreted as nagging then uh, are directly responsible for where we are now. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, but and but at that time we were interpreting it as nagging and you're not you letting know. me do what I want to do. Exactly, and that's really that's really the little boy break being broken off of you. Certainly, and you see at. The, the mere fact that you're 21 years old, Jonathan, and uh, you, you just got out of jail. Oh, I've never been to jail, actually. I'm sorry. Never been to jail. I go to church every Sunday. I'm in school getting my degree. You have to understand the necessity of accountability. Right, right. At 21 years old, you're really in the grips of your manhood being molded and shaped. And sometimes you look at your siblings and you say, well, you're easier on him or her in this area, but sometimes their need is not in the area where you have need. Wow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Certainly. So we parent. There's there's no there's no cookie cutter parenting. We parent. Um, parenting is tailor made for each child. I have four, and I've had to parent each of them differently. I'll give you an example. My youngest kid, your nephew, and your next, my next youngest. Uh, your your niece have gone off to college. One in one in in Illinois. One in Mississippi. Right. My firstborn. I said you ain't going nowhere. You staying right here in New Orleans. Right. Because parenting has to be tailored. Now, uh, when we come back, we're, we're getting ready to go to break. But when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna kind of get into uh, the parents' side of it because it seems like there's a comparison study going on with their kids. They're comparing one to the other. Yeah. So we're gonna kind of deal with that. Let's go to break. We'll be back. You're listening to a BAM Network original, The Blakes Brothers. If you have questions for The Blakes Brothers, email them to theblakesbrothers at gmail.com. Welcome back to The Blakes Brothers Show. I am Samuel Blakes, and this is my brother, R.C. Blakes. And, uh, man, we really got into something just now. Uh, yeah, we were we talking did. about this young man who uh, feels like he's the black sheep. And, you know, we were talking about it from his vantage point. Uh, let's look at it from the parental vantage point. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I heard something in his statement, and, and this is what I heard. I heard him say that his parents are always, be it in his mind or be it reality, always comparing him mm -hmm. uh, to his other sibling. And that's that's a real deal. Yeah, well, during the break, you and I just kind of started talking about our childhood, and you articulated something that I had never heard. You're 50 years old. I'm 54. Right. I haven't heard this in 50 years. Yeah. And when you said it, I had to acknowledge it because mm. I witnessed it. But right. at the time, as a child, I didn't realize the psychological or even the emotional impact. And what was that you said? 
Well, you know, you were the first grandchild, so and and the first child, so you set the standard for what a child's supposed to be, what a grandchild's supposed to be, <laughs> and um, my grandfather particularly, yeah, uh, showed differences between you and I, and oftentimes I can clearly hear him as clearly as you and I hear each other now saying to me, why don't you be more like your brother? Mm-hmm. Why don't you be more like your brother? And I remember how that made me feel as a child. Yeah. So I, I spent my time oftentimes trying to be like you. That's why I would try to wear your clothes mm, and all wow. that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, because psychologically that was embedded in my mind. Wow. And I think every parent needs to be very careful as to making that statement to their children, you know, because first of all, what it does is it drives a wedge many times. Yes, sir. Of course, you know, you and I were, we never had that wedge That's because right. we weren't, you know, that what, just wasn't our raised, makeup. No. We weren't raised that way. Mm-mm. But it could possibly drive wedges between, between children, cause jealousy, uh, and then just cause inferiority complexes, man. Yeah. Um, and and really what that statement does is it often robs the child of their individuality yeah trying to trying to be somebody else's expectation that's exactly right and you know the biblical reference to this is is uh joseph and his father how his father loved him more yeah. than his brothers and the bible says they hated him for it right and then when he told them his dream the Bible says they hated him even the more. Right. This was this was this was caused by poor parenting. That's right. And you said something. If it's if it's real or if it's perceived by him, it's still the parental responsibility to analyze or discern your child right. and to address those sub issues that your child has. Right. I think it speaks to a big problem today, especially with dealing with grown children. We don't really pay attention to our grown children's feelings. Right. Because we feel like I've raised you for 18 years, I spent my money on you, educated you, I'm done. Just recently, I reached out to one of your um, nieces Mm -hmm. and I thought about something that I had done more than a decade ago and I said, I'm sorry. Wow. And I could feel, I could feel the tension and I didn't even know that this was an inch was an issue this was unintentional but in prayer about my children the spirit of god said think about how your child felt about what you did 12 years ago meaning well by somebody else but i think i slighted my own child in the process right and it 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 liberated our relationship so you're correct if it's real or if it's perceived the parents have a responsibility to address this issue and i would also say to him some kind of way respectfully you need to communicate what you're feeling to your parents. Right. Because sometimes they they don't even realize how badly they're hurting you. And see what you did, what you did when you told her you you were sorry, was you calmed the waters of her soul, her Absolutely. spirit man. Absolutely. Calm those waters for her. You know, you can't imagine how long she probably been waiting to hear those words. Yes, sir. Whether it is real or perceived. Real or perceived. You know, it is our parental job, uh, not just to feed them, not just to clothe them, but to make sure that they are emotionally well and emotionally healthy. Um, so that that's powerful, man. Yeah, so there, there's a responsibility that 
the parents definitely have, as well as he has a responsibility to accept accountability. Um, but I, I'm in agreement with you because at 21, though the, the world calls him a man, he's still a kid. Right. And and somebody at 21, our father parented us. You know, he respected us, I guess, as men, but he parented us like, you know, we were his his babies still. Certainly. And he was patient and tolerant. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, whichever side the error is on, there's an error somewhere. And uh, all parties have to own or take ownership of their part in whatever goes wrong. So we're going to go to break and, and we'll be back. You're listening to a BAM Network original, The Blakes Brothers. If you have questions for The Blakes Brothers, email them to theblakesbrothers at gmail.com. Well, welcome back to The Blakes Brothers show, and we have truly enjoyed. I'm R.C. Blakes, and what's your I'm name? I'm Samuel Blakes. Samuel Blakes. Man, it's been, a, it's been a great show today. We've got a chance to talk about a lot of things. Right. And uh, I'm just really enjoying, I'm enjoying the platform and the opportunity to reach uh, a brand new generation with the wisdom that uh, we've gleaned over the last half century. <laughs> Isn't that something, man? <laughs> that is something, man. That, there's over 100 years between the two of yeah, us, Yeah, 104 brother. years between the two and of us. And if we have not learned anything in these years, I promise you. shame on us. One of the biggest lessons is that time flies, you know, right, especially yeah. when you're having fun. Yeah. And take advantage, really live your life. Live right. your life to the full every day, you yeah. know. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. Just make sure you don't use all your time having fun. No, don't do it. You know, you do know, something productive. Live your life on purpose. You right. know, but I think we dealt with a lot of great things today, and I want to say to everyone that's listening, you know, to reach out to us at um, inbox us at our Facebook page, the Blake's Brothers. Right. Um, you know, and also follow us on our various uh, social media sites. You know, you can find me at. Twitter, RSC underscore Blakes, on uh, Facebook, RSC Blakes uh, Jr., and uh, Instagram, RSC Blakes, as well as my YouTube channel, RSC Blakes Jr. What, what are yours? Uh, on Twitter, at SR Blakes, on uh, Instagram, at SR Blakes Periscope, at SR Blakes, uh, Facebook, Samuel R. Blakes, YouTube, Bishop Samuel R. Blakes. Yes. So we've enjoyed this today and our prayers that you've gotten something out of this. We'd love to answer your questions. Reach out to us again. Follow our page on Facebook, the Blakes Brothers, and you send us your questions. We'd love to be able to address your questions and to uh, lend whatever we have uh, to your development and to your evolution. My, my hopes are um, echoed echo my brother's hope should I say that I hope that something was said today that was really beneficial to you um our aim is not to impress but to improve that's right we are here because we want uh we want this world to be better we want this city to be better we want you know your lives to be better so so that's why we deal with the topics we're dealing with and uh, in the ways we deal with them yes so you know just keep your head up keep living forward and know that the best is yet to come our time is just about gone but yeah uh everybody stay on top and uh, we'll see you next time you on the blakes know brothers it. show god bless you talk to you soon if you have questions for the blakes brothers email them to the at gmail.com this has been a band network production